And uh, as you're seated, I would invite you this morning to turn to uh, Numbers chapter 12, uh, because this morning we are going to be talking about praying for people who hurt us. And I want to talk about that because it's an important part of the Christian life. Uh, in Jeremiah, God commands Israel to continually pray for their conquerors while they are in captivity. Jesus commands us to pray for our enemies and for those who persecute us. And of course, that command is in a very important part to obeying Jesus's other command to love one another as he himself has loved us. And of course, his love was shown by praying for the forgiveness of his torturers while he was on the cross. So praying for those who hurt us is important both to Christian obedience and to Christian love. And it's also one of the most difficult things that we're called to do because it means asking Jesus to show mercy to those who have hurt you and deeply disappointed you. So it's important. It's hard. And we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. And it's probably something that we need to hear right now. Uh, we've been in, and I still think we are in a situation where we have likely been hurt and disappointed by a large number of people as this crisis has gone on. And we might feel deeply hurt and disappointed by our leaders or by our employers or by our employees. We might feel hurt and deeply disappointed by our fellow citizens, or we might feel deeply hurt and disappointed by our family and by our friends. And I think uh, that it's very likely given the home quarantine that we've been in and are sort of transitioning out of. And of course, that hurt by family and friends is the worst hurt of all, isn't it? So to help us think through what it looks like to ask Jesus to show mercy to those who have hurt us, we're going to think about Numbers 12. And So for the past few weeks, I've been reading Numbers uh, because though we call it Numbers for reasons I don't totally understand, its actual title in the Hebrew is in the wilderness. And as I've said a bunch of times, I think we're in something of a wilderness experience right now. Uh, so I thought this book would be helpful in thinking about our time in this particular area. And it has been. And in reading through Numbers, it's reminded me of how helpful Numbers 12 has been in my own personal life and in my own ministry. Because as we'll see in this chapter, Moses needs to ask Jesus to show mercy to his family members who have deeply hurt him. So you need to know before we read that Miriam and Aaron are Moses's older sister and older brother. So when you hear them complain about Moses and his wife and plot to take his place in Israel, you're hearing, hearing two older siblings complaining and plotting against their younger brother and their sister-in-law. So keep that in mind as we read so that you can kind of think about Moses's hurt and his feelings of betrayal and what it meant for him to ask Jesus to show mercy to Miriam and to Aaron. Okay, to explore all of that and what Numbers 12 has to teach us about praying for those who uh, have hurt us, we're going to look at three things. And unlike last week, these points are super pithy. So this won't be this way for like, what, another two months? I think you get pithy points every couple months. Here they are. Moses' meekness, Moses' faithfulness, Moses' prayer. Moses's meekness is the first point. Moses's faithfulness is the second point, And Moses's prayer is the third point. Uh, so uh, we'll look at those three things as we go through Numbers 12. But first, let's read chapter 12 and pray. And then we'll start reflecting together. 
So Numbers chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. And after that, the people sent out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Thus far, the reading of what can only be God's own word. Let us pray. Our trying God, we thank you for this word, which you have given and inspired and preserved for us. We thank you that it is a living word and a tool in your hand and to separate soul from spirit and bone from marrow and faith from uh, unbelief and disobedience from obedience. And so, Father, we therefore pray that you would use now your word and our time reflecting on it uh, to carve out in us hearts of flesh and ears that hear and to give us minds that understand uh, so that we might believe your word and respond to your word. And so uh, be enabled and empowered by your word and spirit to forgive those who have deeply hurt us. Father, may the words of my mouth as your preacher and the meditation of our hearts as those called to hear and respond to your word be pleasing in your sight. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first thing that we need to look at in this chapter is Moses' meekness. We're told in verse 3, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who are on the face of the earth. And we're told this about Moses in response to Miriam and Aaron's attack on their brother Moses and his wife Zipporah. And that's her name. I don't know why she's not named here, but that's her name. His, her, his wife's name was Zipporah. And I just want to point out a couple of things about their attack on Moses. First, I want to point out that Aaron and Miriam were very close to Moses. 
So Miriam was the one who saved Moses's life when he was a baby, washed over him when he was put in the stream, and who made sure that he stayed connected to the family while he was being raised by Pharaoh's house. And she was also with Moses for almost his entire ministry. And Aaron was with Moses throughout his entire ministry. And even during his exile from Egypt, remember God told Moses that Aaron would be Moses' spokesman and helper while Aaron was on the way to visit his brother. And then God gave Aaron and Miriam important roles within Israel. Miriam was an Old Testament prophetess and Aaron was a priest and a prophet as well. And you can see both of them are deeply involved in Moses's life throughout the Bible. So they are very close. The second thing I want to point out is that Moses had just gone through several painful events that left him betrayed and hurt and exhausted. And just to get a sense of them, if you have your Bible open, you can just look back at chapter 11 and you'll notice that the people of Israel were not responding well to their time in the wilderness. And maybe, just as a side note, maybe given our own time in the wilderness, maybe this will give us a little bit more grace when we read numbers and we see how the people responded in the wilderness. But they're not responding well in the wilderness. And their bad response looked like blaming and complaining against God. That might sound familiar to some of us. And blaming and complaining against Moses. And as we all know, blaming and complaining wear you down. But Moses wasn't just listening to blaming complaints against God and himself. He was also, while those were being given to him, pouring himself out for the people who were making those angry, sinful, distrustful choices. Right. So just in chapter 11, you see Moses stepping between God and the people and praying for Israel's healing and provision while they were blaming Moses and God for not healing and providing for them. And if you're familiar at all with Israel's time in the wilderness, you know that that kind of intercessory prayer, that interceding prayer, that standing in between God and the people prayer was not uncommon. And if you've ever prayed repeatedly for somebody who complains about you and blames you for things that aren't your fault, you know something of the emotional and spiritual tiredness that Moses must have felt. And in fact, we know that Moses was tired uh, because Moses was so tired in chapter 11 when he heard the people weeping again because they were dissatisfied with God and himself again that he actually explodes in sort of a tired, frustrated prayer at God in verse 11 of chapter 11. I'm just going to read that for you. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people on me? That's not a prayer that you pray when you're super happy and thinking about butterflies, right? You're, he's tired. And this happens right before chapter 12. So when Miriam and Aaron decide to start a fight with their brother... They're doing it at a time when Moses' emotional and mental and spiritual energies are burned out or close to it. But not only are they doing this at a time when Moses is near burnout, they're also doing the same kind of thing that the people are doing. And I think the text wants us to see that because in chapter 11, we're told in verse 1 
that the Lord heard the people's complaints and accusations. And then we're told in verse two in our chapter, chapter 12, that the Lord heard Miriam and Aaron's complaints against Moses and his, their sister-in-law. The point of that, those phrases being repeated, is that just having watched their brother go through another hard situation of betrayal and baseless accusations and enduring burnout, and I'm sure having listened to Moses talk to them about how frustrated and tired he sad he was, because remember, they're very close, that's when the two closest people in his life, or two of his closest family members, decided to do the same thing to Moses that the people had just done to him. And all of this, I think, helps us understand what God means when he tells us in verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who are on the face of the earth. And there are two ways to understand that word for meek. One way is to see that God is saying that Moses never felt the need to defend himself, but always entrusted himself to God. And certainly people have interpreted it that way. That's the majority interpretation. Although the prayer back in chapter 11 that I just read a section of might push against that a little bit. The other way is what a number of recent scholars have pointed out, which is that the Hebrew word there for meek, that particular word, usually describes people who are beat down and helpless and oppressed. They're not standing up for themselves. Their meekness, you see, isn't by choice. It's because they don't have the power to stand up. To use a hymn title uh, that I think will also help us see how Jesus and Moses are very similar in this chapter. They are meek because they are stricken, smitten, and afflicted. They are beat down. They cannot stand up. They cannot fight. And by the way, that kind of meekness is not something that's hidden, right? You wear that kind of fatigue and pain and burnout and feeling of helplessness on your face and in the way that you hold your shoulders. Uh, you certainly talk about it to the people who are closest to you. And so I think God is telling us here that Moses's brothers and brother and sister are kicking Moses while he's down and they knew it which explains God's response, I think, in verses four through nine. And we're moving here to our second point, Moses' faithfulness. So verses four through nine, I'm gonna read those again. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tent of meeting, uh, which must've been very frightening. And the three of them came out and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward and he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. You could also say, or the Lord remained frustrated with them. That's another way to translate that. And he departed. So what then does God mean when he says that Moses is faithful in all his house? Well, clearly God means that Moses' faithfulness in Israel is different than that of all the old, other Old Testament prophets up to this point, at least, like Miriam and Aaron. 
And clearly Jesus means that because of Moses's faithfulness, Jesus can speak clearly to Moses in a way that he cannot speak to other Old Testament prophets. And clearly Jesus also means that he can relate more closely to Moses because of his faithfulness than other prophets. That's something that's worth thinking about too. So you could think of it this way, and I think it's a pretty good way to think of it. Moses's faithfulness allows God to entrust himself more closely to Moses than he could with the other Old Testament prophets up to this point. And then the connection then between Moses's faithfulness and God's nearness helps us understand the two areas that I think God has in mind when he calls Moses faithful. So first, God must mean that Moses is faithful to God. And that is just not hard to see. Moses is a very faithful servant, uh, except for a very important time in his life, which I'm planning on talking about next week. Though Moses will struggle with God and argue with God and complain to God, at the end of the day, Moses listens to God and he follows him because Moses loves Jesus. And faithfulness and love always go hand in hand in the Bible. Faithfulness, Moses' faithfulness means an amazingly deep and trusting love for God that abides even in difficulty and doubt and struggle, right? That's what makes deep love love, right? It's faithfulness. And then I think the second thing that God has in mind when he calls Moses faithful is Moses' faithfulness to God's people. So notice that God focuses on Moses' faithfulness to his house. And by his house, God just means the people of Israel. So what does Moses' faithfulness to Israel look like? Well, I think it looks like an amazing and deep love for Israel, for God's people. It looks like loving them enough to keep stepping into the gap and praying for them and praying for God to show mercy to them again and again and again and again and again and again, right? It looks like working hard every day to help God's people follow Jesus, even though they exhaust him and disappoint him and hurt him. Moses loves Israel and he loves God and he works hard to keep them together, which is why Moses is such a powerful picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay, now that said, I want you to see that God brings us up to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, probably to remind them not just of Moses' faithfulness to himself and to his people generally, but what Moses' faithfulness has meant to them as a part of the house that Moses has been faithful in. Just take one example. If you think back to Mount Sinai and Exodus, when Moses was up on the mountain, what did Aaron do? Well, he helped Israel make an idol and worship it, right? Aaron, the great priest and the great prophet, did not love God enough to say no when he was faced with pressure from God's people. And he did not love Israel enough to pray for them and encourage their repentance. In fact, remember when Moses comes down, he does pray. Because at the end of the day, Moses is faithful to God and to God's people. Moses still loves his brother and his sister, even though they have so deeply hurt him and he prays for them. 
And this is what I want to end on. Each of us knows that in our lives, there's plenty of hurt to go around. There's plenty of betrayal and pain. And there's plenty of opportunity for those things, for those to happen to us and for those to do them to others. And each of us knows that we are called in Jesus's name and through his grace to pray for those who have hurt us and betrayed us. And we can think, how can I? And I imagine Moses thought the same way. And I'm also sure Job did too. At the end of Job, God tells Job to pray for his friends who spent days blaming him for the death of his family, the loss of his property, and the loss of his health. How can I do that? Well, I think here we see in Moses' prayer a freedom that all of us might need. Moses shows us, God uses Moses here to show us that to be faithful and loving, to pray faithfully and lovingly for those who hurt us, doesn't mean that that prayer always has to be coming from a place of deep desire and joy and happy, clappy attitudes. That our emotions and our prayers don't always have to link up the way that we want them to, but that they don't all the time. That the important thing is to be faithful and pursue love even when you don't want to. Because in the Bible, faithfulness, which is really love that endures over time and in all situations, is not about acting out of your feelings. It's about doing what is loving or faithful to God and to God's people, no matter how hard and difficult it is. And I think Moses here also shows us that in doing that, there's no secret sauce to how you do this. There isn't that like obnoxious sort of blog post mentality of five things that you need to do to prepare yourself to pray for those who hurt you. And then when you get to step two and you fail, well, now there's 10 things to do to prepare yourself to get back to step two. So you can move on to step three. And by the time you're just, it's exhausting and obnoxious. Uh, no, you don't have to do that. I think we see in Moses and in Job and in Jesus, you just do it. You just do it. And as those who are in the wilderness with God right now, and with his people and with our neighbors, this is a good lesson for us right now. Asking for Jesus to show mercy to people who have deeply hurt us and betrayed us, even when we don't want to, isn't, is, is something that we need to learn to just do. Even when we're hurt and tired and burned out and we don't feel like it and we're not 100% sure we mean it. Like I think you can see in Moses' case is going on here in this chapter. And to help us learn that that prayer is acceptable, notice that Jesus honors the prayer. Jesus does show Miriam mercy. He does restore her. He does reconcile Aaron and Miriam to Moses. Jesus honors the faithful expression of love even when it comes from a heart that is over all of its emotions, burned out, hurt, angry, sad, Jesus still honors it. Because as nice as it is to feel love, right, that's the best. The most important thing is always to show love, especially when it's hard to do. Jesus honors faithfulness. That's what you can see here in Numbers 12. 
So all of this to say, if there are people who have hurt you deeply and who you have not been praying for because it's because you're hurt and it's hard and you've sort of been trying to get to a place where you feel happy about praying for Jesus to show them mercy, then I want you to hear Jesus's command in the Bible, which we already referenced, to pray for those who persecute you, to pray for those who hurt you. And then I want you to see Jesus's command expressed here in Moses by learning just to do it. Out of your hurt and exhaustion and pain, just pray. Lord, have mercy, I think. Have mercy. And then see in Moses that that faithfulness, that love for God and for them, just means doing it. And that even if it's a short prayer, it's full of hurt, it's a prayer that God will honor. And so all of us today, are equipped right now to pray that prayer of mercy to those who've hurt us. And so let's commit ourselves to praying it after the worship service ends. Lord, please heal, please, that one. Or whatever words you need to use. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you honor our prayers even when they are uh, coming out of hearts that are full of hurt and sadness and pain. We thank you that uh, you are pleased to use even our faltering steps at obedience as tools to accomplish your good purposes. And so, Father, we pray that you would enable us to uh, simply just pray for your mercy to be shown to those who've hurt us and disappointed us, who've wounded us, And Lord, we pray that you would, in your time, work out your reconciling grace into our lives and their lives so that together uh, we might uh, be restored to those who have hurt us and who um, who have damaged us and disappointed us. And Lord, we pray in those situations where we have hurt other people, that we would go and we would repent to them and that we would pray uh, for your mercy to be shown to them and enabling them to forgive and reconcile as well. Because, Father, we know that it delights you uh, to take things that are broken and make them new. Lord, we thank you that you make all things new through Christ and are doing that even now through your spirit. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.